Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the She Invest podcast. I am your host, Allie Fugit. And I'm Carrie Douglas. And we are She Invest. Uh, so, yeah, so we are just coming to you live today, and we just kind of thought that we were just going to bear it all a little bit on things that are going on with us. And then Carrie's got some great stuff that we're going to kind of dive into and um, evaluate. But first thing we want to do is we just want to start off and just be real and authentic with you guys because this podcast is supposed to be about like women that are going through the same stuff that we're going through, through this journey of real estate to financial freedom and, and all that. So yeah. Um, yeah. We realized that we realized that we get on this call and before we go live, we spend five minutes catching up on like real life. And I was like, you know what? Everybody who would be tuning into this is probably going through the same thing. So we're just going to let them hear it too. So, um, so my little like, fun wins for the day are just that um, I had a closing, a real estate closing this morning and an agent gave me this adorable mug. It says, oh, I'm so cool. what's your superpower? I know it's so cute. And um, I was telling Allie that um, I, I do these like false lash extensions that I put on at home by myself and I'm getting like five days of wear out of them, which is really nice because I can like roll out of bed and not have to do any makeup and just like go um, for five days. Not having to think about that is kind of nice. Um, so that's been a good win. Um, I found a new Starbucks drink that I really like. So that's been a fun thing this weekend. So I've gone to Starbucks way more times than I normally would, but I'm, I'm enjoying that. And then my other silly thing that I did this week was, um, I actually went to, I don't know if you guys have tractor supply company. I don't know if it's just, if it's just here. Okay. Is everywhere. Okay. So tractor supply company had, um, like women's workwear. So I've been like on the job site in like doing like small construction type projects. And I was wearing like workout clothes and that wasn't, like the greatest option. So I found like Carhartt makes like a women's like really thick, like enforced legging with pockets and stuff. And I, those didn't fit as well, but there was a generic brand that they had at Tractor Supply that was even cheaper. And, um, I just love them. So I bought these like construction leggings and I bought work boots. Um, so yeah, so now I'm like properly equipped to be on the job site. Um, I did also have to climb through a window into one of my units because I locked myself out and we didn't have a spare key apparently for that one. So I cannot wait to get like um, digital locks on the property. We don't have them on yet. So we're just using the old key ones that were there. And man, um, but at least I was dressed appropriately to be climbing through a window. So those are like the silly <laughs> things that uh, that I did this week. What about you? Um, yeah, so I was just talking to Carrie again when we decided to do this, that I am in this really weird transition right now because my kids are out for summer break. So I am experiencing that what schedule are we on and what are we doing? Because it has been super hard to, I don't like, cre like create that new schedule, right? Because most of my meetings like would start around 9 a.m. And well, the kids don't want to get up at 9 a.m. They want to sleep a little longer. And what are we going to do about breakfast? Because mom's got to make, mom's got to do something. And yeah. So it's yeah, just now they're wanting you to feed them like while you're on a call, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so like yesterday, like I'm sitting here doing coaching calls and 
they come downstairs. It's like 940. And of course, like they want breakfast. And like, thankfully, I was smart enough to like, go ahead and make some toast and put some fruit on a plate. And I was like, there's your food, like, take it and run. Like, so, um, so we're currently doing like the petting zoo style feeding fest um, at my home. That's right. Um, <laughs> and it's like buffet yeah, style. Just, there's just a bunch of stuff laid out. Help yourself throughout the day. <laughs> yep. And so that's just kind of how we're doing it. And um, but it's just because we're just in that weird transition of like finding what works best for us now that they're going to be home for so long. Um, and also trying to find camps to put them in so that they're not home while I'm trying to do all this stuff. But um, as well as um, my kids are a little younger than Carrie's and one of my son is two. And so also we're doing like potty training and that is no man, joke. Like, it is no joke. And especially like when you have like blocked off the three hours of your day that you're doing coaching calls and like, you know, your potty training, you got to go to the bathroom every 10 or 20 minutes with the kid. And that's like super stressful. So that's what I'm going through on top of, um, we had to make some transition, um, transitional moves because the colors I originally chose for the hotel, uh, didn't work out. And he told me it looked like a prison and I can't oh. deny that. It's terrible. Um, so we're pivoting a little about bit. That. What happened? Okay. Like, I know the flooring came in and you didn't like the color when the flooring got there, but like what was the so rest of it? The, like a prison? <laughs> the exterior. Okay, no, it's the okay. exterior. Yeah. Okay. So three sides of the hotel, we're actually partnering with this. this. Is something I don't know if I've talked about on here, but like something for other people to consider. Um, we're just partnering and allowing actually businesses to purchase. Um mural spots and mm -hmm. then they'll come in and pay for that so we're not painting those three sides but the front of it i thought we would go with something like classy so we went with like white painted brick and black trim uh and then we were kind of going to do some gold fixtures and it was gonna again like class the place up well then they start doing it and it literally looks like a prison and mm -hmm. we were like we should stop the okay. doors were black the brick was white that it was not great. So I've pivoted and, but we're actually going to do something pretty cool. So we've got a color palette and um, I'm still doing the mock-up for the second one. But um, so we have three levels at the hotel, uh -huh. each door um, for each level. Um, the first option is each level would have a different color and we're looking at like an ombre. So it would oh, be like dark cool. at the top to light at the bottom uh, and then doing all of the railing, like that fourth shade of green. Sure. That would complement everything. Um, but then another big thing I have to play in with this hotel is we have such massive windows and the curtains are going to play in a huge part of that. So it's yeah. now picking curtains that are going to complement those colors well. Um, so that's the first option. The second option is we have talked about doing those same colors, but as a mosaic on the hotel. So mixing the colors up All across store colors. Oh, that'd be fun yeah. too. Um, yeah. if you get a chance, hop on and see if like Google Street View or maybe, maybe, maybe um on Facebook or something. Danielle, no. I'm trying to think sound. who it was, who we had on the podcast, painted their hotel white with cute little green doors. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll go back and look. Never mind. <laughs> But it was adorable. Um, yeah. I'll send the, and see if that would I mean, too. Just for you to get like, thing. I like to see like someone, like maybe like a Pinterest or something of like 
a slightly finished option so I can try, like I can visualize it in my head, but like seeing it sort of where someone else has maybe done it helps me like visualize it even better. So, yeah. Well, and the whole thing is too, when you're doing a project like this, like you're very much trying to compliment because it's a boutique hotel. We want to compliment the heritage and everything where it came from mm -hmm. and the time error that it was from while also bringing life and, um, you know, some design back into that. So this was a sixties hotel. Yeah. So it still looks like a sixties hotel. So how do I stay with that? while so that people can remember it while also bringing it up to speed, but we also install our installing wallpaper and I will just like huge props to the wallpaper store, Miami. Um, beautiful. Is it so that looks good? The inside doesn't look like a prison. It looks no, it looks amazing. Um, huge shout out to Minoan too. Furniture starting to roll in, and um, so excited to get that stuff together. They have just made Minoan has made the whole process like beautiful and easy uh, for me. They're tracking my shipments. They're sending me text messages, let me know when things are going to come in. So like, I'm not really having to do a lot of that work on the back end, and they're currently like. Every weekly, like they're doing updates on what inventory is available and when things are going to be become available if they're not available. So I just want to give a huge shout out to that too. So if you guys are in that same spot or looking to go into that spot, the wallpaper store, Miami and Minoan have blown it out of the park. Awesome. We're not like sponsored or anything, by the way. We're not. We're not. <laughs> it's just, I just it's love just them. like the real experience of what we're doing. So that's right. That's awesome. Right. Well, those are great updates. Yeah. So, um, no, but um, yeah, if anybody is listening and has some great up uh, great ideas for me for summer routines or anything, you guys hit kids. me up because, yeah, <laughs> because um, I think that's my huge bottleneck right now um, is get trying to be a hotel designer, operator, short terminal operator, business owner, but mom. Yeah. Um, while, while all of that. So we're yeah, big into up. the lists. So like, these are the things you have to do every day before you have screen time or do anything else. And, um, I know your kids are littler. Um, we used pictures. Like I had created a job list that was like images of like a toothbrush, a hairbrush, like stuff that a two-year-old could like identify and be like, oh yeah, the job I'm supposed to do, you know? So. Oh, that might be a good idea, especially for my six-year-old. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely look in that because then I could like laminate it and she yep, can use it every day. Yep. Dry erase marker. I like it. Off. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah. Oh, and then, and then also like I told Carrie, I'm so glad that when we film these, you guys can't see like the bottom half because Real life mom update. I had to make pancakes before we did this. So the bottom half of my shirt is covered in pancake mix. So you guys are welcome. I'm coming to you straight barefoot from the kitchen today. And uh, yeah, but we're going to analyze or not analyze. We're going to evaluate a deal that Carrie has today. Yes. I'm super excited to hear about this um, and go through the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I know that when a lot of us in like the short term space, short-term rental space are talking about, um, you know, what to, what to invest in and what to purchase. A lot of times there's a lot of conversation around cash on cash return. And I don't want to dive too much into that today because that really has a lot to do with, um, what type of, um, financing you're getting, 
um, you know, because it because it includes um, your debt service in that calculation. So you're going to basically be looking at like your bottom line cash flow, how much is your property making versus how much you put into the deal. And um, I, I don't want to go into that so much today as I want to just talk about the way to value commercial property. So um, I have a um, client who is considering a commercial property. And so I kind of just like made up a fake scenario of, you know, what it would look like to purchase a um, commercially zoned property that's like two storefronts that each have an apartment above them. And so I just kind of made up rents. So I was like, all right, if you had on the upper level two long-term tenants, now we can talk about what it would be like to short-term rent those spaces on another call, on another uh, episode, because you probably would have a better return if you did short-term rental. But when you do short-term rental, you're going to have to put the utilities in your name as opposed to a long-term tenant having the utilities in their own name. You're going to have to pay for furnishings. So like, there's just a whole lot of analysis and expense that goes into doing that that we can touch on in the future. But if we're just talking about like wealth building through real estate investing, I want to just start with long-term tenants on this second floor because it's the easiest. So let's say they both, um, let's say both uh, tenants on the upper paid $900 a month. So if we're looking at a yearly gross income from those two, it would be $21,600 per year. Then if we say the main floor is these two commercial spaces, let's call it $800 a month for each tenant. Um, then for the year, that's um, $19,200. And so our gross income from this property is like the total that you would collect and take in. Um, that would be 40,800. And so when, when we then want to try to value this property, instead of looking at that gross rental income, we need to look at the net. So we would subtract the basic expenses that this property would have. And there aren't going to be utilities because the electric, gas, all that would be in the tenant's names um, in, in this made up scenario. And so you would probably as as the landlord just be taking care of the taxes and the water bill. And so I figured that those two things added together would be like $6,200. And so if we subtract that from our gross rental income, we're looking at a net of 34,600. And so that's the number that we can use to value this property and say like, okay, if we were to, you know, consider different cap rates, which are, it's a capitalization rate. Um, you know, what, what kind of return am I getting on the purchase price of this property? I would be typically looking to purchase something at a 10% cap rate. That's pretty average. So that, so if we just very easily can multiply that 34,600 by 10, now we're talking about this made up property being worth about 340,000. And so that, that just tells us kind of what it's worth at a high level. Obviously, if if the property is for sale and it's less than that, and you're like, oh, this could be a good deal, then you might want to dive deeper into the numbers. But this is just a high level way to kind of figure like, am I, am I, on, is, am I on the right track? Is this property priced in the right neighborhood of price? Or is it like way overpriced or, or not going to make any sense, right? Um, and so if this was, you know, if this property was for sale for 
250,000, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's good all day long, right? So that's just kind of a way to look at it high level. Um, and then if you want to go further, you can talk about um, what debt service payments would look like on this. So you'd your net operating income that we calculated before, that 34,000 does not include your your loan to purchase this property. That would be just if you bought it for cash. That's how cap rates are used. You're basically just trying to identify what the property is capable of producing in comparison to its purchase price. So if we wanted to look at debt service, we could say like, okay, maybe we need a loan that's got like a 25% down payment. So we're if we bought it for 340,000, we're going to be borrowing 255,000. You know, we probably like have a 7.25% interest rate, a 20 year amortization, um, which just means how, how many years are those payments spread out? So payments would be spread out across 20 years. You wouldn't keep the loan for 20 years. You'd probably have to refinance it after five, but um, that just, that's how they would calculate the payments. Um, and so you'd be looking at um, a payment for a, for a loan of about $2,000 a month, maybe a little bit more. And so if you subtracted 24,000 from your net operating income, so that's your debt service payment has now been subtracted, you're talking about a cash flow for the property of about 10,000 per year. And that's assuming that you had cash to put a 25% down payment. If you didn't and you had to borrow the down payment or um, do like a zero down program, then this is obviously these numbers would all be different. But at a very high level, that just kind of gives us an idea. Um, I would I would consider an investment like this not for the cash on cash return, but for the sort of long-term wealth building strategy. So you've got a property that cash flows or at the very least breaks even. And your hope would be that if you own it for 20 years, it's going to be worth more down the line than it is today. And in the meantime, you have tax benefits, you have some rental income coming in. Maybe you own a business or you need an apartment to live in. And so you can actually use one of these spaces for your own personal use. Um, so this would be a, that would be kind of what you might be thinking about in this scenario. Well, let's, and let, let's just kind of talk about a couple of these things here. Cause I was making some notes too. Um, so when people are going through this, cause maybe that we have some listeners that are currently trying to value some properties that they're looking at. Right. Um, when you are thinking about like what you're going to use those spaces, what those spaces could be used for to make you money. Um, it's important that they are doing research in the area as to what the average rent is for places like that, as well as what, because that a long-term rent tenant uh, and the amount that they're paying per month is going to be way different than a commercial space and what they're paying per month. Correct. And so, and so I think that that's important. It's like people may, especially not knowing, may go into this thinking that it could be the same and mm -hmm. it's not right. Those spaces are going to be different. Um, as well as, um, I love that you hinted like the long game, right? Cause that's what we're kind of trying to drive home here for people with, mm -hmm. with these type of purchases that, uh, when they are looking at these, it's totally different than looking at a single family home because you could get a single family home and it could make you the same or more cash flow as being a short-term rental. However, what's the difference? What's the difference is that when you go to sell that home, the evaluation and and uh, on that home is not going to be the same valuation that you're going to have on this commercial property. Right. So um, people, I think we did another episode where we kind of talked about that a little bit, but just like, again, reminding some listeners, the 
that when you're looking at a single family home, it will continually fluctuate with the market. A commercial property stands on its own based off of its income of what right. it's producing. Well, and let's talk about why. So like if you mm -hmm. bought a single family home for the same purchase price and you are renting it out to either a long-term tenant or you're short-term renting it and then you decide you want to sell it, the value is going to be subject to an appraisal if if you have a let's say you're selling it to a buyer who wants to move in it and it's going to be their long-term residence you're probably going to be working with a buyer who's getting a loan they're going to live in the property they're going to be subject to an appraisal and so that value is going to be just based on comps like comparable properties that have sold in the area in the last six months or whatever in the real in the commercial real estate option your value is sometimes based partially on the comparable properties that have sold, but it is also based on the income the property can produce. That's like that cap rate that I was describing. What rate of return are we able to get on this purchase price? And so that piece is what's unique and exciting to me about commercial real estate. Yeah. And you hit it on the head, Allie. Yeah. And then like, let, let's also just hit on the cap rate too. So like educating listeners on uh, for a cap rate, like you said, like we, we know that we always especially want to go for like at least a 10 cap. So what would your advice be for listeners on like what's the lowest cap rate you think you would go at versus the highest? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. In that realm. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I think it depends on the class of commercial real estate, too. So yeah. there are the ones that are more risky you as the buyer might not get as good. I shouldn't say that that way. Hold on. How do I explain this? <laughs> Basically, the more secure it is, like the more guaranteed it is to always have income. For instance, like uh, a, an apartment, right? You're pretty much always going to be able to find a long-term tenant to come in and live there. They're not considered very risky. Um, those, you know, you might not be getting as good a return um, in your cap rate as you would be with something that has a higher risk, higher reward, if that makes sense. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, it makes sense to me, but yeah, for others, I, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to speak like generally because cap rates, like they, like the right. higher is, is it all, it's also very dependent upon area. It, yeah. It's not just like, it's not. And I think that's another good topic. It's not just the class of real estate. It also depends on the area yeah. of the real estate. So, um, being informed on that, like asking your um, real estate agent on what cap rates they're seeing in that area before mm -hmm. you view a property and things is important too. Yeah. And again, that is going to be tied to risk, right? So mm -hmm. if you're buying in a location that is very um, guaranteed to have the type of tenant that you're looking to put in a space, you're, you're going to, you know, have less risk, right? So you're going to pay for that in in your rate of return. So, right. yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. But I think this is like a great conversation though, for people that are like looking at these and like understanding what some type of realistic number is and that cash flow they could be making versus uh, again, when they're also trying to make a decision of where they want to park their money, right? Mm -hmm. Are you trying to park your money in something that's going to play in the long game? Or are you trying to park your money that ultimately can be that cash cow and, that more instant gratification, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Um, and it depends on what your goals are. If your goals are to get out of your W-2 job as quickly as possible, then 
sometimes the long game of this larger commercial real estate isn't for you. But if you're in the game like Carrie and I are real and our goals are more focused on generational wealth and um, obviously like setting us up as well for um, later down the road. This is our retirement plan as well, too. Yeah. Right. Um, so if, if that's the game you're playing, then this is the way to go. And it yeah. is a it is a slow, a slower build than other real estate games, but it is um, a definitely more lucrative yeah. build in the yeah. long run. And I think you hit that on the head. Like there's there's equity play, which is, you know, the property's value is going to go up over time. Um, and then there's cash flow play, which is right. I need to get as much cash flow every month as possible so I can leave my W2 job or whatever. And so there's like I try to have a balance and and sort of have options that are in both categories. Yeah. yeah and I think that's a, a beautiful point to make is like it it there is when it comes to real estate investing, there is no one size fits all and there is no you have to stay in one category. I highly suggest to like students that I coach and like never put yourself in a box because you need to be diversified. So mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and that's what I love when we were talking about cap rate today, being able, being used to value a piece of property. That's what I, that's what I love about that is that um, everybody's threshold for risk is different, right? So every investor might, somebody might be like, I don't want to have any debt at all. I want to pay cash for this property. And somebody else might say, I want to leverage as much debt as possible to acquire as many properties as possible. And so we want to kind of level the playing field. And regardless of what you choose to do, what is your threshold for risk in the debt uh, category, this property itself can produce X number of dollars. Therefore, it's worth this amount um, kind of levels that playing field. And then you're not having to think about, oh, but your mortgage payment is going to be higher than mine because I'm going to put a larger down payment than you are. That shouldn't have any effect on what the property's worth. Right? right. That's just your personal preference. And so that's why I think using cap rate is such a great method. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And that's like what we use to determine our properties. And um, I, I think, but I think that again, Carrie, if, if people, listeners that if you guys are joining in now, rewind the episode and go back and like, listen to the numbers that Carrie was um, kind of spurting off here. And, but the important takeaway is that she evaluated it based on, the cash purchase because that's how you evaluate or sorry that's how you evaluate a property um with the cap rate okay um so do not try to run numbers based on what you're potentially trying to purchase at with a debt um you know service loan or whatever you have to purchase or you have to run the numbers just on the cash purchase to get the cap rate and what it is valued at yeah. And then if you if you feel like it's a good purchase, then go ahead and run the numbers on your particular yes. scenario with your debt service included. But start out yes. at, at a high level. Um, you know, I, I don't want to spend, you know, hours putting together a pro forma for a property that, you know, at a high level wouldn't even make sense. So I have to do we sometimes we'll call it like a sniff test. Like, is this even worth running the detailed numbers on it or not? You know, right. Um, so that's a great place to start. Yeah. And then, I mean, this, this would ultimately lead you to whether or not um, this gives you that large overview, like what Carrie's talking. And then you can dive in and say, do I want to do owner financing? Do I want to get a loan? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? And then you can like really run numbers. But ultimately, if once you get that number, you can then make the phone calls that you need to do 
before you do spend all the hours because um, yeah. we've done it the wrong way before. <laughs> um, so definitely learn by our mistakes and, and do it the right way the first time. Yeah. Um, the other interesting, if we're sharing mistakes and being transparent today, uh, the other interesting thing that I've been um, realizing too is like I was very excited um, to have acquired my most recent property on seller financing. Um, the seller and I had worked out two different options that were acceptable to us both. One was a land contract and one was just a seller mortgage. And I was allowed to pick which one I preferred. And I think I chose the wrong one. So in hindsight, um, I just thought maybe it's good to share that um, with other people. So the difference is um, with the land contract, the seller is being the bank, but the seller is also still listed on title. In case I default, the seller can acquire the property back very quickly without a foreclosure process. In the seller mortgage, which I should have probably selected, the seller would not be listed on title. They would simply be acting like a lender in a bank scenario, and they would have to go through a full foreclosure process if I were to default on my payments. And because of that more difficult foreclosure process, it's a higher risk for the seller to do a seller mortgage than it is to do the land contract. And as a result, the seller said, well, I'm, I'll do that, but I want a higher interest rate. I want a bigger down payment. I want, there were some terms that helped defray that risk. And so when I was choosing between these two options, I was like, oh, I want the lower interest rate. I know I'm not going to default on payments. I'm not concerned about that. So I'll take the lower interest rate and leave the seller on title. And now I'm finding um, that as I work through, um, you know, the capital raising and renovation stuff, that having the land contract is much more difficult when I'm seeking additional funding for my renovation. So that was just a learning experience that I thought I should share with others. Um, just if I'm being fully transparent, like that's, yeah. that's probably like, I should have probably done the seller mortgage, even though the interest rate would have been higher. But you know, like sometimes you don't, you didn't think about these things. I didn't know. Yeah. You didn't know. You don't know until you know, and you don't know sometimes until you're in the trenches dealing with it. Mm -hmm. um, and, but like, you know, whether you look at that as the ugly truth or whether you look at that as the beauty of the learning process of these things, mm -hmm. um, you just don't know until you know. Yeah. Right. So uh, I, I don't, I think that that's beautiful that you're bearing that because somebody else is going to learn something. Um, we did go the mortgage route. So uh, not of my doing, my husband done a lot more research on that. And like he can't, like he was able to pull that together. I'll give him credit for that. But um, you do have seller financing, but you have the seller mortgage yeah. instead of the land. We went the seller, yes, right. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So we did. We also did seller finance for our boutique hotel and uh, it is all seller mortgage. So which has worked out really great for us. Uh, we got amazing terms. Um, and so I'm thankful for that. But I actually didn't even have I didn't know, Carrie, until we had spoken before that the land was the land option was even a option. Yeah, the know, like, yeah, right. And um, honestly, like for us, you you do your property is structured way different from us, which mm -hmm. could be and the area that you're in is probably why you also have that option versus our um, current commercial property that boutique hotel. It's 
there's not much that goes with it. Right. Um, right. So I don't think that I don't really even know that that would have been an option in the area that it's in because I, it did, does agricultural play into that on like the, not really. It would have just been your seller um, negotiating terms back and forth with you. You know, mm -hmm. what did your seller prefer and how much risk are they comfortable with when, when they're becoming the bank for you to purchase their property? Yeah. And I think that, um, ultimately I can't complain about ours, but I didn't even know it was an option. Like whether if it had been an option, like maybe it would have worked out better for us, but who knows, because we didn't even explore it. But, uh, I think for us, the, we were also trying to meet the seller's needs to get out quick. Yeah. And so yeah. for us, it was, I think, I think it's the best way I can put it. Um, I mean, they had other goals that they wanted to do and they needed to throw money at. So I think that they were okay with the risk and we were getting better terms. So we just went. Like yeah. That. Yeah. That's good. So, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that Carrie, because, um, you know, I want, I want you to keep us updated on the growing pains and like what you learned because it could help somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, uh, I'll probably share that video of me crawling through the window too. That was extra special. Yeah, you should, you should. <laughs> Okay, well, we appreciate um, all of you guys uh, tuning in today. Uh, if you guys have questions about valuating your property, shoot them over to us. Um, if you have also know anybody that's looking to come on, has a deal that we'd love to break down with them um, to be on the podcast, yeah, uh, please hit us up as well. And if you yourself are looking to get into any deals or you are already a real estate investor, hit us up because we're always looking for new people to bring on. Yeah. But we appreciate you tuning in. And if you haven't already, go follow us on Apple and Spotify, uh, as well as our new YouTube channel is coming out this week. Awesome. Thank you. Have an amazing week. Thanks so much. You too.